Well, unfortunately, Max couldn't quite make it three uh, three sprint wins in one season. Uh, the honour for the for the final sprint win goes to Mr. George Russell. Crikey. Welcome back to episode 245 of Grid Talk. Today we are here to discuss not a preview, not qualifying, not a race review, but the sprint race qualifying race review for the Sao Paulo AK Brazilian Grand Prix. My name is Tom Downey and joining me today we have Jared from the Hit the Apex podcast. Good morning, everybody. Of course, good morning, because he is technically a day ahead. Uh, Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Good evening. Good evening, sir. And none other than Louis Edwards, a.k.a. Owain, um, who is a co-host of mine on here on the Grid Talk Show. Hello, sir. Hello there. Just before we begin, if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, it'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. Also, if you're one of the 72% of people who are not yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping out. Please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. And apparently a new tone for me would help as well. So it's Saturday. That usually means qualifying. However, we had a sprint, which is apparently a race, but also sets the order for a race, which is what a qualifying session does. So I don't know. My auntie might be my uncle, but we had an event today and it was pretty entertaining, I'd say. Aaron, um, George Russell uh, span out in in um, qualifying yesterday to secure himself a P3 slot today and he took his first event win in Formula One. It was a fantastic drive. I mean, there'll be a lot of different opinions about the red flag situation in qualifying, but the rules as they currently are mean that he kept position. So that's the end of the story, unfortunately, for anyone who wants to debate it at the moment. But from the start today, he looked super racy. He made a good start. He was looking at Verstappen into turn one. And once he got past Magnussen, uh, of course, on shock pole position, which was just a magic moment yesterday. That was so heartwarming. Uh, it was it was game on. I did kind of expect Verstappen to waltz away and win by a handful of seconds. But George kept his nose sort of just inside that DRS range. And all of a sudden, there he was attacking the Red Bull. It was just brilliant to watch the pair go into battle because this is the sort of battle we've been looking for between Max and Charles through much of this season. We got it in the early stages, but it, it never really took off. And obviously Verstappen has run away with the championship um, in the end. So to see someone really contesting with, with Max is great because we know how good Max is and now we know exactly how good George Russell is. If you give him the equipment, he can absolutely get the job done. There's... There's no qualms about it now. The fact that he had to attempt three times to get the overtake done shows that he learns within the race. He is able to change his approach. And he's just shown in you know 30 minutes that he has all the credentials of a future world champion. So, you know, hurry up, Mercedes, give him the equipment to go and do it. Yeah, well, it's, it's safe to say he's he's definitely um, you know, that that Mercedes car is definitely looking a bit more racy today, um, as as you mentioned. Uh, Jared P two, um, Carlos Sainz. Now we will caveat this: Carlos Sainz does take a five place grid penalty ahead of the race tomorrow, so he will actually start what P seven, but he finished P two on the road. He was four seconds behind George Russell. Said his tires were not um, not not really holding on that well. Do you think it was a case of somewhat damage limitation for him today, given the impending penalty? 
Uh, absolutely. And it's kind of encouraging that he was pretty quick out there. So we might see him uh, featured in the race tomorrow. So, you know, much quicker than his teammate in the last few races as well, which is encouraging for him. Uh, and yeah, you know, he will be a bit gutted about that penalty, of course, but of course it's encouraging that they've got that pace. I don't know though, depending on, um, how quick the Red Bulls are, you know, we could see science in the mix or will it be a case of, um, will it be a case of what happened in Mexico and, you know, Ferraris are like running station far behind and everything. So, uh, yeah, but great to see him up there. Great to see, uh, you know, him beating his teammate as well after the kind of season that Carlos has had. Um, uh, just unfortunate, all the critics and the criticism he's copped this season so far, but like he's a solid driver and, you know, they're still in that fight with Mercedes for second in the constructors. So, you know, any kind of good results going to really help uh, Carlito, Chile Science to, um, you know, keep Ferrari ahead. Very true. And it is worth mentioning that the battle between Ferrari and Mercedes for second in the constructors is only heating up. As um, Louis P3 is uh, hashtag blessed Lewis Hamilton. Um, again, we'll caveat this. Hamilton, along with, I believe, Daniel Ricciardo and Joe Guan Yu, are being referred to the or, or, or it's been noted for a start procedure infringement. So something may come of that. We don't know yet. At the moment, he is P3 or net P2 with Carlos Sainz. Um, pretty good uh, pretty good spring from him. I mean, perhaps not quite to the heights of last year, but I don't think anything's going to top last year's. No, and he was certainly in a much better car last year to be able to cut through the field. But no, Lewis did exactly what he needed to do. He's um, really firmed up Mercedes' position tomorrow. They look like they are going to be very difficult to beat, which is not something we've said often about Mercedes um, this season. And I think this really sets up for the seasons to come now that Mercedes have finally cured a lot of their issues uh, that they've had regarding their pace deficits to to both the Ferrari and the Red Bull and are starting to, to look like next season could be very, very strong for them. Um, but... Yeah, like he will be starting at the moment on the front row and I think it could get quite dicey between him and George tomorrow. Uh, of course, Lewis will want to keep his record of winning a, a race every single um, season he's driven in Formula One. But then George is also chasing his first um, his first win, so... You know, it's, it's, I think it could get slightly tasty between the two teammates. I'm sure Toto will be having words um, overnight and making sure that tomorrow Mercedes have a clean race because a 1-2 is, at the moment, is definitely on the cards. Absolutely. You know, it, it, def- it definitely, you know, this, I didn't think I'd be saying it this season that we could be getting a Mercedes 1-2 on merit, but here we are. Let's see... Um, you know, let's uh, let's 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 see what happens tomorrow. I mean, I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Um, but yes, Aaron P4 and P5 on the road is the Red Bull duo of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Um, I just see Grimace has given you Red Bull. I'm sorry, I tried to work because you didn't have to talk about them. Um, Max, obviously, aside from Gotifi, was the only driver to start on mediums. Not really sure that worked out for them, to be honest. Um, 
and Perez started P9 after he didn't manage to get a run in yesterday. I mean, Max, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him in, in a second, but just very quickly, Perez, I thought, had a pretty decent, pretty decent session, you know, stayed, stayed ahead of Leclerc, um, did what he needed to do. But should we talk about Max quickly, about how his sprint unfolded? Yeah, well, it got off to pretty much the perfect start. I mean, he was one of two people on mediums and it looked like the ticket to, to have in Sao Paulo this this afternoon, but it turned into a little bit of a nightmare really for him because they, Christian Horner said after the race that the, the medium didn't work as well as they hoped after 12 laps, which was kind of their reference point for the softs dropping off. And if they found out that the, the degradation especially versus Mercedes was worse on the mediums compared to Mercedes on the soft, which I think is quite important for the race tomorrow. And we, we know that Mercedes have been good on the tires all year. And we haven't really seen Max have to be pushing the tires all that much recently. So the upgrades that they've brought to the car haven't really been tested in that area. They've been able to pace themselves. So I, maybe it was just session specific. And, you know, it was just that that day in history. That's how it unfolded. But what definitely compromised Max was hitting the debris uh, on the straight, potentially Alonso's uh, front wing remnants. And then definitely the front wing loss, uh, well, part of it at least, with uh, the contact against Carlos Sainz. Uh, Tom, you and I had a little conversation in the Slack group about maybe the meatball flag coming out. And I said that Haas would be lobbying for it. And you made a good point that, Red Bull had proved with uh, Sergio Perez in America that it still had structural structural integrity. So I think this is this is something that Formula One needs to revisit because you know there's lots of different things that can be raised about a damaged piece of car and the risks that it can and can't pose. It's something that F1 needs to look at, and I think the teams will be definitely speaking to the FIA about it and and how it's policed. Because let let's say. Max had to pit today. He was forced to pit because there was damage. That transforms tomorrow's race. At the moment, he starts P3. And we've still got a really exciting race because Mercedes looked pretty quick. So he might not have it all his own way. But definitely, if he'd been forced to pit because of the damage, the race tomorrow could be absolutely spectacular, just like it was last year. But even from P3, it's still going to be a lot of fun. And you know, if, if he wins, then he's going to have to earn it, isn't he? Absolutely, and uh, you, you you made a very good point about about the meatball flag, and I do understand your I, I understood your point in when you said you know has to be lobbying to have it out because they've been victim of it most this season. I think they've had it twice or three times now, uh, namely from I think they had it from from Alpine. I remember Canada. There was there was one moment from I think Ocon on the radio, and then K Mac had to pit. Um, I also completely agree with the point that you've raised, where you said. There needs to be some transparent or some not transparency, but some consistency from the FIA because it's not fair in the team's eyes if if one team has to pitch a change it, but if another team has the same issue and a different outcome, they don't have to pit. I, I completely agree with you there, to be honest. Um it's uh yeah, it's um yeah, you 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 made a very very good point there. To be honest, and, and I I do agree with you. Pains me joking at it. Um, no, I'm joking. 
but yes, but anyway, um, I'm the host. I shall remain impartial, apparently. Um, moving on, Jared, P6, um, Chucky Leckles, a.k.a. Charlotte Claire, was, um, um, yeah, was P6 and was there. Over to you. I don't really know what to say yeah. about him. I, f- I forgot he was there. He exists. You know, he exists in some form or another. Um, uh, like, made the most of, I guess, the sprint as much as he could. Like, qualifying was pretty horrible for him. I don't know where Ferrari were thinking that just doing Ferrari things was always. So, to get up to sixth at the end and have a decent um, a grid spot. So, it's kind of like, a, oh, not quite Noah's Ark formation, but um, with the top three teams because you got Lando up ahead with that grid penalty. But... Yeah, they're in a position to score decent points. Uh, Leclerc just, you know, science has been the better driver in the last couple of races, as I've said. Um, and it just depends on how quick that car is in in race trim. Like science obviously looked quick today, but as we know in sprint, you know, they're not running with a full fuel tank and all that sort of stuff. So uh, on full of fuel with slightly um, warmer temperatures tomorrow, they're saying too. Might not be like the best recipe for Ferrari in that uh, rather unique power unit that they have. So it'll be an interesting one. I don't think we'll see much of Leclerc again. It'll be another anonymous race to him. But um, yeah, good on him for actually staying out of trouble and making up making it up to sixth. Yeah, I, I think that was probably about the, as much as he could do. <laughs> Excuse me um, today. Uh, yes, yeah, I mean, he's got the gods of Ferrari strategy with him as well, so good luck. Um, now, moving on down the grid, we'll start to group these people by team now. Louis McLaren, they had Lando Norris, who came home P7 in the end after, after starting P4, I believe. And then and then Daniel Ricciardo came home P11 after starting P14. So one driver falls three places, the other one rises three places, but they aren't the two drivers you think they are this weekend for once. Um how do you think the papaya outfit is going to going to get on tomorrow? Do you think Lando will hold on to points, or do you think he'll get swallowed up by the pack? No, I think I think Lando got uh, he got overtaken by the cars that were uh, I think realistically were always going to be faster than him today. It took him I think a lot longer than most people would have expected to get past Magnussen. He didn't get past Magnussen until really the closing stages of the race. The McLaren's race pace has been frustrating at so many points this season. Their quality pace definitely does put a um maybe a like a shining uh, coat on what is a not a brilliant car. And I think um what we've seen today was just really where that McLaren is. It's nowhere near those top three. It's just about able to get past the house and hold on to be the sort of the best of the rest. I think the, the most positive that thing that McLaren will take away from this um, sprint is a that Daniel Ricciardo is now eleventh, just outside the points. He's in a good prime position to get some points for tomorrow. Lando picked up two points, which is going to close the gap to Alpine, who had a pretty all-round miserable uh, time of it in the sprint. And I think that's all they're going to be. You know, hoping for they've got both their cars ahead of the Alpines. They're fighting for fourth in the constructors. That's where their head's going to be at. And unfortunately, I think Norris will probably not get much further than where he is now. Um, well, seventh because I imagine um, Signs will get past pretty easily tomorrow, and then it's a 
coin toss whether Ricardo will be able to maybe nab a point or two. Yeah, I mean, if I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't put money on Ricardo getting a uh, getting points. But hey ho, hope maybe he'll pull something out of the bag in his last two races of the season. Who knows? Um, right, P eight and P twelve are the Haas drivers of Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher. I mean, Aaron, they started P one and P twenty. Um, came out. I mean, I think it was inevitable that he was going to fall to where he did. We'll probably be a bit disappointed to be overtaken by the McLaren. But I think PA is respectable. And I've got to say, huge props to Mick Schumacher. Started stone dead last and channeled his inner Hamilton from last year and dropped that Haas up to P12. That deserves a heck of a lot more recognition than, 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 than I think people have said. Perhaps you could say he's somewhat fighting for his seat. Who knows? Um, maybe that decision's already been made, like like, uh, like Gunter Steiner said. But the Haas boys, contrasting fortunes today, but sets them up quite quite nicely for tomorrow. Yeah, it does. It's a it's a good opportunity for them to scoop some sensible points tomorrow. I think, like you said, it was inevitable that K Mag was going to drop down the order. I mean, if he'd stayed in like the top five, that would have been like possibly one of the most impressive drives of like the twenty first century in Formula One, and we've had a lot of races in the last twenty two years. But let's concentrate on Mick for a moment that was a super drive to start from last and like he could have got bogged down and ended up like 16th or 17th and you know he'd have had a couple of um promotions up the order because of a couple of dnfs and the the alpines getting together but to rise to 12th so one of them has gone up eight places and the other one has dropped eight that's a pretty respectable session for Haas in terms of where they've ended up in 8th and 12th that if they'd qualified there on merit in like the normal qualifying format you're saying yeah Haas are looking absolutely excellent this weekend they, they look like they've got the pace so in race trim they look fairly handy and Magnussen's probably around the cars that he needs to be around he's around Gasly he's near his teammate he just needs to keep his front wing intact and everything will be okay there'll be no meatballs flying through the air and Schumacher's in a good position, a really good position to scoop up like a point or a couple of points and just take that P8 away from AlphaTauri, which if Haas can achieve eighth place in the constructors compared to where they were last year, that is a fantastic achievement. And, you know, I think those mechanics really deserve it. I was, I was talking to someone today about it and the, the joy on their faces in the garage yesterday when they realised they had pole position. It was pure, unadulterated joy. And it just warmed my heart so much. That's why we watch any sport, not just Formula One. It was just magnificent. And they're like normal people, just like us. But they get to do this fantastic job and they don't get the praise for it. That was their moment, not necessarily in the sun. It was almost nighttime in Brazil at that point. But for each of those mechanics... And the staff members at Haas, that was their moment because of this team could have been out of business 12 months ago, 18 months ago. And here they are sticking a car on pole position. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's very, 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 very well said about Haas. And it's um, if you think about the sort of chain of events that's happened in this year that started back with... Um, I mean, with 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 the war in in February, it's led to us having a Danish driver on pole. It's like, 
Netflix are going to have a field day about that, I think. Um, but yes, behind them, P9 is Sebastian Vettel and his teammates. Where is good old Stroll? Because he had a penalty because he's an absolute moron. Um, P17, like I said, I'm being impartial. Um, so, Jared, P9 and P17, uh, Aston Martins. I mean, anybody who watched the spring will know what we're going to talk about. So, just over to you. <laughs> um, well, Seb did a fantastic job, qualified 13th and made his way up into the top 10 and finished ninth. Um, what can you say about his spud of an his absolute spud of a teammate? I think Louis wants to say something as well, so we should go over to him. But like seriously, if you know Pierre Gasly's near a race ban, then this guy should already have one, in my opinion, because it's the second time in three races or three weekends where he's made a move like that. Like, let's not all forget. Let's not forget what happened in Austin with um, Alonso, you know, at that speed. And that could have been a repeat this time, you know, with uh, Vettel on the grass too. So absolute, absolute moron, like you said. I want to use more stronger words, but I feel like, you know, that's that's not going to be good for, <laughs> for um, viewers and whatnot. But, yeah, you know, in this instance, I'm like, you know, what's going to put the message through his head that that's unacceptable give him a race ban or something like that. Is that going to work? Or he might be happy to take a, a race off. He'd be like, oh, you know, because he's very lackadaisical with his whole approach and everything. So, yeah, but good on Seb, though. He's been flying the flag for that team this second half of the season, absolutely driving like a um, a world champion, man-possessed. You know, it's his last few races, so obviously he's – feeling unshackled and everything. And, um, you know, if they get ahead of uh, who's the, who are they fighting in the constructors? I always forget. Um, Alfa Romeo, Alpha you know? Yeah. Yeah. So sixth place in the constructors would not have been something we would have said at the start of the season, but, you know, you can attribute most of that to the efforts of Sebastian Vettel. So um, good on him. But I guess with with his teammate Stroll and the antics that one Mr. Fernando Alonso found himself involved in as well today, I think we're in for an interesting inter-team battle next year. Can't wait to see how that one pans out. Oh god, yeah, they're gonna be fireworks galore. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna move on just yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna go around everybody because we don't normally do this with you know with sort of like one team, but given how incredibly dangerous that move was from Stroll, in my opinion, I'll get some of my views on it in a moment. Um Louis, what what were um what what were your thoughts on uh, on on Stroll today? I mean the thoughts on Stroll are uh, uh... I have very, you know, I think very little of uh, Lance Stroll, and today proves the reason why. Ever since he came into the sport, I've never thought much of him. Yeah, he's achieved. He's he has achieved things in in Formula One, and he has done great things. But time and time again, we see this this I don't, kind of stupidity. Uh, you know, he's. He is a young driver, but you've got to think he has been in this sport for so long and he is, you know, has so much experience yet doesn't know when, especially when it's your teammate is trying to make it over you, don't dart to the left, especially on a pit exit. And I think the um, the commentators, Crofty and uh, Martin Brundle, were very right to say, if there was a car coming out of the pit lane there and he's just darted across, 
that is an awful collision that he has just caused. And it wasn't only just with, with Sebastian Vettel. He was doing similar antics with um, Mick Schumacher when he was trying to get past. Um, and again, just moving erratically and being supremely stupid in his, in, in his defending. And, you know, you. I know a lot of people just like to criticise Stroll because of, you know, daddy's cash and the fact that his d- dad is possibly like the most unintimidating bloke who thinks he's the most intimidating bloke ever. But, you know, it's... Unfortunately, we're going to have to put up with this for more and more time just because he is being gifted a seat through his dad. And, you know, while part of me definitely hopes that um, Fernando puts it, uh, puts him in his place, um, you know, next year, it's also just been nice to see Vettel being put him completely in his place this weekend with just how well that Seb's done and then it you know it's the polar opposite to the you know the moronic moves of Stroll that we've seen today yeah um yeah I mean again I I agree with everything you just said Aaron do you want to add anything to to the whole Aston Martin thing or or you know or or whilst whilst we're on this kind of topic we're taking a bit of a different path today but I also what are you going to do? Um, you know, uh, you know, Aston Martin, Alpine, anybody else who um, you know, who had incidents like this today? Well, it wasn't smart from Stroll. It, it is a shame. I think he, he is a he's a qualified racing driver. Let's let's be honest. He, he he's good enough to be F one standard. I mean, he's not going to be a world champion. Uh, he you know, if he's in the right car, he might win a race, but that's about it. He's Driving standards do sometimes leave a bit to be desired, which you know he's not alone in. And so I'll, I'll defend him a little bit there. But what he did today was very silly, very very silly. Um, and I think the, the the team bosses, Mike Crack, will be having a word with him this evening. I think Sebastian Vettel will have a word with him. I think I don't think Seb will come in, you know, effing and blinding. I think he'll be fairly cool about it and just sort of. Say, look, hey, that's not on. We don't do that, especially with teammates. So, yeah, he just needs the right guidance, I think, in terms of just developing that out of his his uh, his game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, with 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 Stroll, it's just. <sighs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give my piece on it a bit a bit off piste, no pun intended for a um, for a host, but I agree with what you said, Louis. You know, he he is a qualified driver in the same way that Logan Sargent is going to be a qualified driver because he's doing he's he's like meeting the bare minimum of what it takes to get a super license. So does that put him in? You know, just because someone qualifies, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily any good, um, as was proven today. Uh, and I specifically mean stroll. Um, as always, not saying I could do any better, far from it. I'm far too fat to get an F1 car, let alone out of one. Um, but it's uh, you know, just that it's, it's that kind of like moronic mentality of my teammates coming, I will just shove him onto the grass and put him in a position where you either go into the barrier or you know, or we take each other out. And I know that other drivers on the grid have done that previously. You know, Max used to be you know, pretty 
risque like that. You know, George Russell done it a few times, and and you know, Leclerc's moved people out that wide, and and you know, it's, some other drivers have done it, and it's something that can sort of like be not not taught out of out of them, or, or you know, you know, or, you know, it's something that they pick up with experience. Stroll's been on the grid since twenty seventeen. You know, this is his what sixth season in Formula One, and he's still doing that. And bearing in mind when we had people like Mazepin doing it to Schumacher down the main straight and back last year, F1 media actually tore him a new behind. And it's like, this isn't about daddy's hash or anything like that. This is about safety. And, you know, we can put all the safety things into place, you know, you know the halo and the carbon monocoque and, you know, crumple zones and wheel tethers and all the rest of it, but you can't stop some idiots forcing his teammate off onto the grass where they, where they are at severe risk of losing control. And that's, and that's, that's what I think on it. Um, does anybody want to add anything else? Uh, because we've still got the drivers to get through. I'm conscious that we'd be going round on this a bit. Well, Howard, like, yes, while, while you're talking about, you know, being teaching it out of him and everything, this is something I've wondered for a long time is, you know, what goes on behind the scenes with him and his team? You know, does he have like a coach or something? What's his dad as the team owner? What kind of feedback is he getting from all the team principals and stuff? Are they patting him on the back and saying, good job, Lance, you know, did a great job today. You know, are they giving him that constructive feedback? Because I'm sure, you know, for people in the team, it it kills them um, when he makes stupid decisions like this and throws away points and all that, you know, doesn't matter about the cost of crash damage because, you know, daddy's bankroll in the team. But like, if that feedback's not getting through, you know, then how's he going to change? You know, he's probably being told by dad, oh, you're, you're doing a great job, carry on, where he's not, you know. Imagine, imagine if he was there without... He wouldn't be there without that, obviously. But imagine <laughs> if, you know, he was a driver, any other driver on the grid, what kind of feedback they'd be getting. Like you said about Mazepin too, he's getting uh, torn a new one by the media. Um, other drivers we've seen in the past, that happened too. Like Grosjean, that happened to him back in 2012, and then he had to go off and get some uh, help outside, you know, through a psychologist and, and driver coach and everything. So... This is the thing. Stroll is not learning from these mistakes. It just continue to happen. And yet, you know, he'll go off and set, you know, a quick lap one day, you know, qualify top five or on the front row like he did um, in 2017, I think it was. He might get, you know, the odd podium and we'll all be like, all is forgiven kind of thing. Like, screw that mentality. You know, you're dead weight. You know, I'd rather see someone else in the car. You know, they've got Felipe Drogovic in their young driver program. I doubt we'll see him in one of the Aston Martin F1 cars anytime soon. Um, yeah, it's it's infuriating, honestly. Absolutely. And it's a good point you made about Grosjean as well when he went for, for psychological help. Maybe Saul needs that, I don't know. But anyway, moving on, because um, we, we went around on that a bit. Uh, the next thing we have to talk about, Alfa Romeo's. So, Guan Yuzhou, P13, Valtteri Bottas, P14. Bit of a, um, a bit of a disappointing day for them, really. After, after they sort of initially seemed to show a bit of promise yesterday, 
it's like I think I cursed Bottas by saying, "Oh, he's looking quick," and then actually, you know, he's out in Q one. Um, you know, I, I didn't do him any favors there. Sorry, mate. Um, I thought maybe they were going to make a bit more, you know, a bit more, a um, bit more room through the field today, but not really. Um, Louis, uh, the, the, the Alphas, do you think they'll do anything tomorrow? Anything to add about him, or not really? Yeah, I'll keep this short after the uh, the last conversation <laughs> topic. Um, no, I think Alfa Romeo were pretty much where I thought they would be, um, especially after yesterday's. I think for them would um, it's pretty disappointing qualifying, um, but you know they're still in this. They're still in this battle with Aston Martin, and they'll be striving to get forward. I think we all know that what the issue is and it's the reliability of that car and it's whether or not it's going to make it to the end of the race. Having already done the third race distance, will it then be able to do a full race distance the next day? It's definitely 50, 50 and it's just whether or not they can stay out of trouble. And I think that's where the Alfa Romeo are going to be thinking for tomorrow. It's will they can't make it to the end. Will they be able to get out of trouble and if they can, then there's a chance that they may be fighting for ninth, tenth place. But given today, I don't think that they're going to get there on pure merit. No, I think it's going to take a bit of fortune for them to to get some, you know, some somewhat further up the grid. I agree with you. Um, I tell you one team that I did, I did forget to talk about um, P10, P8, Gasly, and P16, Yuki Snowder. Um, Jared, I mean, what what can we really say about Alpha Tari? Anything? Um, Gazi's well, on the brink of a race ban. Um, yeah. And Sonoda's just Sonoda. Um, Gasly, as well, I just read, got summoned to the stewards after the sprint for alleged driving unnecessarily slowly. So, I mean, is the boy trying to just sit out the next race? Potentially, I saw your video, Aaron, about that and was like, mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, otherwise it was a pretty like clean race or clean sprint for, for Gasly to move up from 12th to be starting inside the top 10. Sonoda, like, yeah, that's, it is what it is, but, you know, to, you know, after all the talk and the hype this week about, you know, Gasly being on the precipice of a bit of a race ban, um, he gets summoned to the stewards for, for driving unnecessarily slowly. So I don't know if that's going to be a slam dunk. I don't know exactly what uh, instance they're looking at that. I don't know if any of you guys picked it up during the sprint, but um yeah, boy, that would be an interesting one if that came back with a um, uh, with a result that wasn't in his favour. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, maybe Dash is just trying to prove to Alpine that, hey, look, I can mess with the FIA just like Alonso can. Um, you know, now I see where they signed him, to be honest. Um, who else are we going to talk about? Uh, we've already ripped into the Aston Martin drivers. Um Aaron, should, should we have a quick? I know, I know you talked about Alpine earlier. Should, should we have a quick? Uh, should we have a quick chat about them? Um, so Fernando Alonso, P15, that's a pit because he damaged his front wing after a collision with his teammate Aston Ocon, who finished P18. They've both been summoned to the stewards for driving like idiots on on the pit straight because they're both as bad as each other. If you ask me, over to you. Well, the, I'll start by saying this is what Fernando Alonso has come. 
said after the, the sprint, he said, uh, one more, we cannot wait to get out of that team. Which, I mean, he chose to leave. It's not like he's being forced out. So he Fernando needs to give his head a wobble sometimes. He The way he drives and then acts after races kind of grinds my gears. He is a fabulous driver. He's an absolute credit to the sport. But I didn't blame him, uh, blame Lance Stroll 100% for the collision in America. And now I feel vindicated because Alonso has got his comeuppance with this collision with Ocon today. Uh, the second one on the pitch straight. I'll touch on the first one in a moment. He was too close. It is the car behind's responsibility not to crash into the car in front. And what did Alonso do? Kind of on two occasions, on one lap, he crashed into the car in front. Now, at turn four, Esteban Ocon could have left a little bit more room. But I think Fernando should have been wise to the fact that it was his teammate that he was trying to go around the outside of. But it was also lap one, and he might not get that space. Although this is Fernando Alonso, and he feels that every overtake he makes is the greatest overtake ever done. So, you know, credit for trying at least. But the second one really annoys me because he blamed Ocon for that one. And Ocon held his line. He was on the inside. There was plenty of space on the right for Alonso to go past. And yet he still managed to crash into the back of his teammate and wreck his own race, which for me is it's proof that he's not infallible. And we, we, we know that. We know he's not perfect, but... You know, it, it just frustrates me that a driver of his quality feels that he needs to resort to blaming everybody else when he makes a mistake. And we saw it all through the McLaren years, constantly blaming the engine. And then when, you know, the, the, the Renault power unit arrived, the car wasn't that good. Okay, that's not necessarily down to Alonso, but he has input. And now, you know, he's blaming the team on reliability. He's blaming... Ocon for, I don't know what. So, you know, he needs to remember that he's lost points because of stupid driving, cutting corners, weaving on straights, you know. So if, if he's going to weave on straights, don't be surprised if people start doing it back to you. And yeah, absolutely no accountability for it, which for a double world champion, you'd expect a little bit more race in terms of the way he's conducting himself yeah um a lot of just seem to have a bit of an air of um probably mario ba- mario why always me about him i've noticed um and he he does like to blame others and it's like maybe he's saying he can't wait to get out of the team and this is why he's leaving as opposed to why he was you know why he might have been pushed um I don't know. It's Endstone. He'll probably be back in three seasons. Um, he, you know, he'll probably have his ashes scattered there when he dies. He loves that place so much. You know, he's been there so often. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, Alpine. They're 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 just they're just going to be having a chat internally. I mean, it's like, oh god, alive. You know, that team with Otmar at the helm. You know, it's just it's a bit like already oh, at the wheel from the Manchester United days. Um, Louis, you lucky devil. Williams, go Tifi 19th, uh, over a minute behind. Um, it's on mediums, don't know why. I mean, you might as well be on full wets. Um, and Albon DNF'd on lap 12, don't know what happened. 
Anything to say? I actually don't know what I if someone could let me know what happened to Albon. I actually I genuinely can't remember. I know he just stopped after turn two. I don't know whether it was some sort of issue. I think it was. If anyone could, I think he, I, I think he DNF with 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 an engine issue or a or a drive ten problem at the back. Yeah, it's predictable. Um, William stuff, but you know, for Latifi, he didn't start last. He technically didn't finish last, so it's a it's a good day in his books. Um, you know, as he'll be bowing out unless he um, intentionally causes some damage to Logan Sargent's F two car for next weekend to uh, to maybe uh, deny him the super license point and maybe just just about hang on to his seat, but. Um, uh, I think he's just. I, if I was the TV, I'd just you know, you you're bowing out. You're likely you're never going to come back. Enjoy it while you can, um, and just take your time. You know, it doesn't matter if you're you know six laps down, seven laps down, as long as you as long as you're having fun out there. Yeah, I mean, I reckon you should just channel his inner his inner Delatraz. Um, from circuit 1995 and just be like six laps down after lap six. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe we should all have a vote to see how many how many times he can be lapped before the season finishes. Um, yeah, there's probably a joke in that somewhere. It's called his F1 career. Anyway, that was um, that is our roundup of where the teams finished in or the drivers finished in the sprint. I'm not going to wrap up just yet because I want to chat about the sprint in general and I want to get some feedback from you all. So we've had three sprints this season, all of them at circuits which have somewhat aided overtaking, one could say, or some circuits where it has um uh where the sprint format has benefited from, from where we've been. So, first of all, Jared, we've had six sprints events over the last two years. What do you feel about them? Uh like I don't mind them as such, you know, they've, I think out of the six we've had, I could probably say three of them I enjoyed. So like a 50% strike rate today's one was definitely probably one of the better sprints in terms of entertainment and the fact that we had battles all the way through the 24 laps rather than, you know, first two laps, go gung-ho and then settle into time management and whatnot, you know? So I think that's kind of what the, angle f1 was trying to um go for when they did introduce the sprints i still think six for a season is overkill particularly given that not all the circuits that we've been to i mean this is the thing also about 2022 these new cars and the fact that we were promised more overtaking yet you know we've had so many dull races this year where we've hardly had even drs assisted passing so whether that's a fault of the the cars themselves or just the way you know the tires are or how the races pan out with management you know we can all discuss that at the end of the season but um for me i'm still not you know what do you call it like convinced that it's the best thing and that it's the future i'll t- happily take three for a season because at least it's not going to be as you know offensive as six for whatever but um yeah you know if we can get more sprints like we got today which i'm sure you know the likes of max Verstappen and alpine will probably veto that um then you know that's that's good good bang for your buck in terms of uh 
entertainment on a Saturday. But uh, as far as, you know, the one we got Imola this year, uh, even Austria to an extent, you know, they just kind of peter out at the end after the first couple of laps and, you know, you're just burning fuel and tyres essentially. So I don't know what value that adds to the overall weekend. I don't know why um, circuits are actively chasing, oh, we, we want to have a sprint, we want to have a sprint at our track, you know, because not all the tracks are going to be suited for it, unfortunately. And that's as a result of the Grand Prix that we've seen or the Grands Prix we've seen this season where, you know, we've had little to no uh, passing or entertainment. Yeah. Well, I, I can answer the one point about why the circuits want it, money, because it means they have more action on Friday, more action on Saturday. So they get more more people through the gates, more money spent at merchandise stalls, food and drink, all the rest of it. More people in, more tickets sold. That's that's why um, that's why uh, circus will want it. But yeah, that's um, I, I I hear your points on on sprints. Um, Aaron, how do you feel about sprints now that we've had six? I think there's a place for them. It's just how you execute it and how you then frame it within the world championship so at the moment it does have a direct impact on the world championship which should really be decided by the grand prix themselves and by then definition qualifying should set the grid for for the race which i think is what they're looking at for next year considering there's going to be more sprints so if you make the sprints just a standalone thing like how much will the drivers really go for it if it doesn't really have a an impact it's that it's that very fine balance i earlier in the year did a podcast with uh ash from the outside line on youtube where we discussed it and we had lots of different ideas in terms of how to to set it up i mean 45 minutes plus a lap was one idea sort of like a formula e race because then you get a little bit more action because sometimes 30 minutes they're just getting warmed up and then oh it's stopped. It's finished. We've got to wait until tomorrow now. It's, it's like sometimes it is the worst cliffhanger you, you can have in like a TV show. But I think 45 minutes would give you that. I'm an advocate of give them a random set of Pirellis. Don't tell them what it is and send them on their way. And they, the drivers have to work out on the fly what they've got. So the, the tyre might be like rock hard and they've got to find, the, find a way to put temperature in it. Or it could be completely like the most chewing gum tyre you've ever come across, it's blistering over a lap, but it falls apart after five. And you've got drivers coming in, pitting, some trying to long it out. It would, If, you, if you're going to take it away from the, the World Championship, make it fun, make it exciting. Use gimmicks, go for it. Just fully go for it and have it be this fun and exciting, really racy thing that then just adds to the entertainment factor because you've already got qualifying on a Friday, you've got the Grand Prix on a Sunday and the, the teams can't learn anything in the sprint because, well, you, you may or may not learn something in the sprint because it doesn't have an impact on race day. It, there's so many different things you can do with it. But I think we're at just at the, like the, the bulb of the plant at the moment. We're still growing. The shoots are coming out. There's still lots to learn with it. I think six could be too many within a season because it could be too disruptive, but we'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah, and it's um, 
maybe we should go with uh, Bernie's idea again and sprinklers by this rate. I don't know. Um, at least maybe then we'll have some use for, for, for the full wets. Um, Louis, what do you think about sprints? Do you think they're do you think they're yay? Do you think they're nay? Um, or just meh? Uh, I mean, the fact that I even forgot there was a sprint at Imola this year, uh, like looking back at this season, the fact I just goes to show that wasn't particularly interesting. I, I do remember Austria for being, again, not particularly interesting. But, you know, I, I'm kind of on the same the same sort of lines as Aaron. It's like there's got to be something about the sprint that is going to make it more appealing, not only to the drivers, but also to the viewers. Because at the moment, it, like Aaron said, it, you you have a half an hour race. It doesn't It's very anticlimactic. Nothing really happens. And then we come back, we do the exact same thing again to the next day, but just for a bit longer. You know, at least in the Formula 2, you know, you have a sprint race, but then, you know, the order then gets reversed for the for the feature race, um, well, the top 10. But then you've got to talk about if it's going to be separate from the championship, no one's going to care. And if it's you're going to implement something like they do in F2 with reverse grids, then everyone's just going to be racing for 10th place, which is boring and no one cares. But if then there's point incent- you know, incentives for finishing first, it then kind of disrupts the championship, but at least says, you know, you're going to have the lower down teams, you know, desperately fighting over one point because they know it's going to get, not only is it going to in, improve their constructors or t- uh, general championship standing, but then there's also a chance that you can get on pole. Um, for the next race while the top teams still continue to fight for the big points because they know that it's going to matter to their championship in the long haul. But otherwise, yeah, six is too many. And I imagine one of them they're going to put in the US, which means we could have a sprint at probably Miami or Las Vegas, which could be disastrous, if you ask me. Miami would be so dull I don't want another race in Miami in the same season so and if they probably they would actually probably do it in Vegas and that's I'm leaving a lot to be desired on that on that Grand Prix but we'll see what chance they choose when they announce if they don't put Interlagos in it again next year then the whole format is doomed because Interlagos is the only one who's done two years back to back and produced two great sprint races so We'll see, but I'm I'm not keeping, you know, holding my breath to think that it's going to be a good idea moving forward. Is there something we could that could be offered in terms of an incentive that isn't World Championship points? The thing that sprang to mind, and this <laughs> this could be really controversial, was cost cap. What if cost cap, extra cost cap, was on offer for winning a sprint? I don't know. Wind tunnel or- time. Extra wind tunnel time, or like you can run with less ballast, or something, something like you know, something crazy. Basically, use it as some form of like a development ground to a point, yeah, almost, yeah, almost. Or you're just trying to have a dig of Red Bull, that's also what it is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) not quite, but it it was on my mind. Oh, Red Bull, Red Bull might want to win them because they need to get some cost cap back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um. No. Well. Well. Thank you all for, for for your views on the sprint. You know, I figured now that we've had six, it'd be a good chance to sort of see how you feel about it. Um. And for what it's worth, my my opinion is the reason it's worked into Lagos is because the circuit 
lends itself to good racing. It lends itself to overtaking, passing, um, uh, and and yeah, it's a. Uh, we've always had pretty good races there, regardless of if they've been sprints or just a regular race. Because even if you look at the 2019 race, that was good. 2016, absolutely banging race in the wet. Um, so yeah, so you know, it's all it's always been a good circuit, and I think that's why the sprint works there. I think if you really want to figure out if a sprint is going to work, you take one to Spain, you take one to Monaco, and you take one to Hungary. And if they work there, then I'll happily eat my words. And I will shave my head. Um, but I'm pretty confident that that's not going to happen. So I'm also pretty confident in my um, in my hairline. But yes, uh, so that was our review of the sprint session for the Brazilian Grand Prix. If you're watching live, please just stick around because we can do a post show. We've had some good interaction on the YouTube, um, as my grandpa would have said, bless him. Um, so we will uh, we'll move, on, move over to that in a moment. But just before we wrap up, um, I'm going to go through, it's a little bit unorthodox, just going to do a couple of predictions for tomorrow. We've already got the grid, but I want people's winner, well, your your podium, which includes the winner, um, and your bold prediction. So I will go to Jawad first. Okay, so I'm going to go for Lewis Hamilton to win because he's got to to keep that record uh, alive. And I did say that Brazil would kind of be like the last chance for him and Mercedes to do that. And I felt it in my gut, the honorary Sao Paulo citizen um, to take the win. I'm sure the crowd will love that. Uh, Max and Red Bull, they'll be second. Uh, they've got such a great car. And um, oh, Checo P3. You'll probably all hate me for not putting Russell on the podium, but whatever. Oh, I love you for it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Love you too. <laughs> um, and bold prediction. Oh. Alpine's going to crash into each other again. Is that really bold? But cool. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll go with it. Thank you, buddy. Um Louis, what's your podium prediction and your bold prediction for tomorrow? Well, I'm not having any of this Mercedes winning monarchy. I'm gonna gonna go with Max, Super Max, um, to win. Then I'm gonna go. Then I'm gonna go Lewis Hamilton. Then I'm gonna go George Russell. And that's gonna be on my top three. And what's your bold prediction then? Bold prediction. Both Alphas, both Williams, and both Alpines make it to the end of the race. That is bold. Um, and finally, Aaron, I can see you smoking, so I know which way this this which way this is going to go. What's your podium prediction? Uh, Max Verstappen is going to win the race. Okay. Yeah, Max is going to win the race. It's I can't look past him. I mean, my heart says, please don't win another race. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> we need some different winners, please. But I just think the package of Max and Red Bull on a race day is just too strong at the moment. Um, and then he's going to be followed home by the two Mercedes, uh, Lewis and then George. But my bold prediction is that Charles Leclerc wins the race. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Proper bold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's bold and then there's stupid um 
but there we are. But thank you to all of my panelists for 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 taking part. It's been lovely to have you on as always. Um, if you'd like to listen to us more. Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, such as this one. Like I said, please stick around. Those of you who are watching live, as we're going to do a quick post-show. You can also catch us on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. If you search for Formula One Grid Talk, our back catalogue of shows, the previews and reviews to, to qualifying and race results, as well as preview shows, will be available. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so, so we can get better mics, lights, and recording equipment. You can also get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise at f1chronicle.com slash store. Also, please make sure you are subscribed so you are the first to know when each new weekly or sometimes more than weekly episode is released. And if you are subscribed, hit that notification button or that bell, whatever you call it, so that uh, so that you'll get a nice big ding in your pocket. That sounds so wrong when we go live. One last thing, um, we'll be back tomorrow to to review the Brazilian Grand Prix. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>